Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Before we dive into this week's topic, we want to say more about our newest group coach offering. Cam? Yeah, so our newest one is Navigating the Lunch Counter. And it starts this summer. You can find those details at the website, translatingadhd.com, and click on group coaching. Is that right, Shelly? Did I get that right? You did. Oh, all right. (laughs) Yes. It's all there. The thing I want to do right now is to talk a little bit about this class and our approach to these group coaching classes. So you hear that navigating lunch counter. What does that mean? You know, in that lunch counter, I never really got that. Like, what is that? How do you have a lunch counter in a wall on a mountain? Like, what's going on there? So don't let that stop you from exploring this concept. We design these classes in a very specific and scientific way. We are naturally divergent thinkers. And our feeling about group coaching is we make our classes very thematic centered around a theme. So the one we are finishing up tonight is Project X. Project X is that project that matters only to you. This is an ADHD dilemma. We do everything that matters to others or is urgent. So when we focus on Project X, it's not just about Project X. It's about everything connected to things that matter to you and only to you. So with our divergent thinking, We can really get big and creative and global there, but we always come back to the central theme. With navigating the lunch counter, this is this causation manifestation dilemma. You find yourself in a valley and you can't extract yourself. So it's that pilgrimage up to causation. The lunch counter is just that barrier that gets in the way, that has a stop and turn back. So navigating the lunch counter is really just taking a valley experience and looking at the ADHD causation for you. This is a chance to look at your own dilemmas here with regard to this model. If you don't like Mount Rainier, if you don't like lunch counter, it's not about that at all. It's about this causation is hard to get to because we tend to be in our effect. We tend to be in our experience and our feelings, our thoughts cloud the actual ADHD mechanisms that are happening and the executive function mechanisms that are happening and not happening to exacerbate our valley experience. So I've got a couple examples that I want to share. And again, I'm going to move away from navigating the lunch counters like, oh my God, it's a prolonged pitch. You know, come on, get on with the story or get on with today's topic, guys. This is actually just lunch counter stuff. We know we're going to get our 10 people and they're going to self-select. So there's no pressure here. So just listen as a listener, because this is, I've been giving this a lot of thought, Shelly, and I want to talk about a couple of things, okay? So I was thinking about my own Valley experiences, and I had three unique Valley experiences that I can share with people right now. So the one is the numb out nirvana. It's going to the idea generator above, drops in these beautiful, fantastical landscapes, daydream. And I'm just numbing out. There's no game. There's no experience that can beat this. And so I'm checking out in this 
a what if, and it's a big positive signal with what if, what if, you know, what if I had superpowers? Stupid. Okay. But entertaining. So there's that one down in that valley. I have another valley next door is the what if negative, that catastrophic thinking that we can have. That's where imposter syndrome is for me. What if they don't like me? What if I don't have something to contribute? What if, what if, what if? Negative, big negative signals. We get down in there and it's hard to find the way out. It's hard to, we talk about assembling our stove, you know, it's all in pieces and trying to orient and get out of that scary place. The third one is this really more of a sensory overload that I go into overwhelm state and I lose my gearbox. So the gearbox is my, my transmission, my ability to engage and get into gear. So it's purely mechanical. And so I'll go in there and get into a state of overwhelm and I can't move. And here's the funny part. This is, I was telling Shelly before, it's like, I got a funny story. What I'm doing now, I've done so much of this valley work and navigating the lunch counter is that I will drop in to valleys for fun. That's, I do this for fun now, Shelly. Others go and, you know, have dates and they do things and they go on trips. No, I drop into a valley just for fun. And this is the one in particular. So we have a grocery store called Wegmans. I think it's mostly on the East Coast. And Wegmans is one of these like mega awesome grocery stores with so much stuff and so many different areas. And what I do is when I go in on Sunday morning, I will walk in with my very sequential list. I've got my list that my wife, she comes up with the menus. She's the menu person. I'm not the menu person. And I occasionally will go to the store, not always. But when I do, I get in there and I get into the produce section. And I'm between the rooster over at the coffee stand doing its cockle-doodle-doo and the train over by the yogurts going, woo-hoo, and all these sounds and all these people going back and forth. And do you know what they play every time I go in there in the music? Do you know what they play? What's that, Kim? Dancing Queen. So they're playing Dancing Queen. Like, not music. It's really, it's ABBA's Dancing Queen. They're playing Dancing Queen. And I'm standing there. And I start to untether. And I'm like, oh, here it comes. And I untether. And I disassociate and I drop into a state. And I go from engaging and moving through this task to free fall. Now, there was a time when I did that and I would panic and I would have to actually walk out of the store and regroup. And what I learned was like, okay, take the list and make it so it looks like the floor plan of the damn grocery store. On Twitter, I was told I was mansplaining. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant on that. <laughs> I, We've been doing that for years. Uh, yes, no, I'm ADD-splaining. I, I don't think I'm mansplaining there. Anyway, so now I'm aware of it, that locating this whole lunch counter thing is being able to locate the edges, to orient, and being able to kind of find those mechanisms. And now I go in, it's like, this is fascinating. I am losing my agency. I've lost my ability to move forward. But instead of getting scared and panicky and overwhelmed, I'm just there. Because if you're standing in the middle of Wegmans Produce and just standing there and like picking up the occasional vegetable, people don't care. 
They're just going by doing their thing. But it's this combination of things that I notice is the sequentialness of the list, the abundant choices. You talk about the wall of caulk. You have to choose going to Lowe's and getting frozen with the wall of caulk, the caulk we use to seal windows, people. You know, they've got 47 different camembert cheeses and 57 choices of olives. So you get in there and it's just this sort of like, whoa, I'm going in. But then it's this amazing thing to kind of, I know how to extract myself. That's resourcefulness. That's resiliency. That's kind of, you've lost power in your plane and being able to restart that engine (laughs) before you hit the ground. It's kind of fun, Shelly. It's kind of fun. But this is after years and years and years of falling into a valley and then not being able to extract myself. Coming home from the grocery store, my wife would see me, I'm in a cold sweat. She's like, oh, one of those experiences again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that's my long story here about what is possible here. This is the reason why we are doing this. It's all about this cause and effect and being able to tether back up to what is actually going on so we can actually do something about it. Thanks for sharing that, Cam. And I want to notice something. And what I want to notice is a few weeks ago, you were showing up differently. And we talked about that between the two of us. And we talked about that on the podcast a little bit as well. And you identified what was going on that had you in the valley. And shortly after that, you started using language of fun. You were able to get up above the situation enough that you were enjoying sort of examining what was going on, even though this was a really tough and very real situation that you were in. So I say that because, number one, I noticed that tendency in you prior to sharing this story. And number two, it's not just when you know you're going to have control. In the situation that you and I were dialoguing about, you didn't know what your next step was or how to get up above it. You had work to do there, but there's this real embracing of the work that exists with you that I just think is so cool. And it's such interesting modeling. And since I've noticed that, I've found myself more interested by my own valleys as well, meaning maybe they don't have to be so scary. Maybe I can treat this like I'm an explorer. You know, what's here, what's going on? So just wanted to add that because I did notice that a few weeks ago. So I thought it was funny that that's the story that you brought in today. Well, thank you for that. That's very nice. And what you're talking about is in that pool that we've talked about in the sort of the managing the emotional brain in that pool metaphor is that safety place, that safety place between that awareness of I'm in the deep end and I'm struggling and we all want to get to mobility and like have control and control the situation. And here's this safety place of, you know, I don't have control, but this isn't going to hurt me. I don't like it, but I can handle it. A very important distinction. All right, let's get on to today's topic. Yeah, 10 minutes in, and we're finally going to talk about what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? We've already been talking about it. I brought up the term agency, and again, being comfortable. And so I think this feeds right in. There's a nice dovetail here, Shelly. Absolutely. And so the conversation today is around advocacy, agency, being your own agent of change. And 
the reason we are turning our attention here is as we talked about big signals over the last several episodes, Cam and I were realizing something as we were bringing client examples in to demonstrate how our clients were able to have a different experience navigating big positive or big negative signals. And that realization was in every instance, part of what enabled that change was our clients putting themselves in the picture, which we so often fail to do as ADHD people. So what do we mean by putting yourself in the picture? Well, as ADHD people, we're wired for context and we are especially wired for external context. So we tend to pay attention to what's going on outwardly, how others are reacting to us, what others expect of us, what we think other people might be thinking or saying or doing. And we tend to base how we react to situations or what we do or don't do on that. What we don't do is we don't stop and consider ourselves. Every one of my clients comes to coaching with terrible or no self-care practices. And almost every one of my clients are surprised by that fact when we discuss it in coaching. They don't realize just how much they are putting themselves last. And this all goes back to that one down perspective. As ADHD people, we receive 20,000 more negative messages by the age of 12 than our neurotypical peers. So we come up in the world with this perspective of being less than, of having to make up for. And when you're approaching everything from that perspective, there's no room for yourself in the picture. So that's so well said, Shelly. And I want to actually cast a, a little bit of a broader umbrella here over this whole thing of putting ourselves in the picture. Because I imagine there's some spouses out there like, oh my God, you kidding me? You want my spouse to be more in the picture? They're the only picture. It's sort of like they seem so self-centered, right? It's all about them. And I would argue, no. So this is this distinction between big brain and fast brain. So that fast brain, the entrepreneur, who it seems like it's all about them. No, no. It's all about their vision. It's all about the thing they're chasing. And so it all becomes everything about that thing they're chasing and they lose themselves because they're not emotionally available because it's honey, this is it. This is the thing. This is the thing that's going to deliver this time. This time's different. (laughs) How many of you hear that? So it is, it's putting yourself in the picture advocating for yourself and this term of agency that we have come upon that has actually been in the background of our podcast from day one. People are like, agency, what do you mean agency? Like a thing agency, like a real estate agency? What what are you talking about, people? No, this is a different definition. This is a sociology definition. And Shelly, I'm going to go ahead and read that definition. So we're clear on this, Mm -hmm. what we mean by agency and being an agent of change. So it refers to the capacity of individuals to act independently and to make their own free choices. It's worth repeating that acting independently and that choice piece is free choice. We talk about the comfort of having a plan at the start of your day, 
some control and consistency through your day, there's choice there. Coming to that choice point, we've talked about that. And at the end of the day, a sense of accomplishment or I feel pretty good about most of what happened today. That's a basic desire. And that moves to being able to have influence and add value, understanding and articulating so you can put yourself in a position to add value to whatever entity you're trying to contribute to. This is what it's all about, we think. This goes back to our whole tagline is about you can have ADHD and you can have success too. This is about agency and it's about advocacy. The other thing about advocacy is we're not talking about advocating just for ADHD, like disclosing or asking for accommodations. That is a part of it. We see it as a broader term to advocate for yourself. This is a part of the understand, own, translate model that we use of understanding, owning, and being able to translate for yourself and to others to articulate what your needs are, managing expectations, developing boundaries. When I was able to do my valley work and finally you know, find agency there in my own valley work, I started to develop healthy boundaries. This is rebel and limit scope. There's only one of me. I have limited bandwidth, energy, and attention and time. And so there's only one of me to go around. I want to be selective. This is this choice and choosing what I do to commit to and find those swim lanes that matter to me. Cam, when you shared that definition with me prior to recording, what really stood out to me was free choice. If you think about that place in which our clients come to work with us, they do not have free choice or they feel like they do not have free choice. They feel like life is happening to them more than they are happening to it. They often feel backed against a wall. They feel as though what I've been doing is no longer serving me or no longer working for me, but I don't know how to get what I want. I don't know how to get to the next place. I don't know how to become who I want to become. And that free choice is often the critical missing component upon which all of our work rests. And this is back to freedom from versus freedom to. As ADHD people, freedom from can be a powerful motivator in the moment. When there's urgency, when there's a deadline, when the pain is strong enough, then we can motivate to be free from that pain. The problem is we also develop a lot of resilience. So there's a lot of things for which freedom from is never going to be a powerful elixir or powerful enough elixir. So we have to tap into that freedom too. What is this choice or these set of choices giving me the freedom to do? And this is the stuff of distinguishing. You know, My clients who tend to deprioritize self-care, which is by the way, all of them have this magical thinking about the future where their to-do list is caught up. When my to-do list is caught up, when the backlog is cleared, then I will prioritize self-care. And that thinking is completely backwards because they're trying to power through and take care of the backlog and catch up the to-do list on an empty tank. They're not taking the time to refill that tank. So then they wonder why they end up on this hamster wheel. 
So there's an opportunity there to make a different choice. But first, we have to see the opportunity. And so often, we don't. We're in our reactions. We're in our day. We're just dealing with what's in front of us, what is loudest, what is most painful. And we don't even realize that we have the opportunity to have a different experience by making a different choice. It all comes down to choice. And by the way, I want to make sure to be perfectly clear here and say that just because it all comes down to choice doesn't make it easy. That doesn't mean, listeners, that if you can't make a different choice, you don't have enough willpower or there's something wrong with you. This is not easy stuff. If it was easy stuff, we wouldn't have a whole show about it. Cam and I wouldn't have careers built on helping people do this work. It's tough, but it starts with recognizing that there is choice where we often feel as ADHD people that there's none. I love that so much, Shelly. And especially that how difficult it is to put things that matter to us. This goes back to Project X and the stuff that is important, but not urgent. And when I think about our challenges with choice, we have too many choices. It's very difficult for us to prioritize and select the choice and then commit to that. So part of this is like your posture. We tend to be on our heels, reactive, responsive. And as they're kind of coming in, we deal with situations. We can never get to the balls of our feet, more proactive, more strategic, to really consider what does matter? What is that North Star? What is that big agenda? And inviting you to do that. And as you said, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it is worthwhile. This is the work we do with our clients is to determine what matters and then how do we put that into play? But also this whole idea of agency and finding your voice. You can't put yourself in a picture if you don't articulate what matters to you. To start to determine boundaries and articulate that, identify needs, and let others know in your life what needs are not getting met and that need to get met. Managing expectations. We've said this before, we'll take expectations, just run them up that flagpole to huge heights. Just no way we can reach those expectations. That's in the clouds of perfectionism. I want to say one more thing here about this. I was looking at this definition. I love this last part here because I think it's an opportunity for us to really articulate our position here with regard to agency and advocacy and how do we find success. We're not about scorched earth and like, well, Forget society and forget the whole neurotypicals. They're out there. They're the majority. Then maybe you can find your way without all those constructs and norms. But we find that most of our clients have to be able to navigate in these areas. So just to continue that definition, we talked about to act independently, to make your own free choices. By contrast, structure are those factors of influence, such as social class, religion, gender, ethnicity, ability, customs, etc., that determine or limit agents and their decisions. So it's this dance of trying to figure out, there's two different camps here, I think, is that we get our diagnosis and we think, to be successful, I have to be successful in the neurotypical world and in all those constructs. 
we talk about, I must be accountable for my time and the limitations of we don't understand time and we don't understand accountability. But also we can't go ahead and, you know, set up our own free nation. Like, oh, we're going to make the 51st state and it's going to be, you know, a whole bunch of neurodiverse individuals. That's not going to happen. So then what can we do? It's being able to find that agency and our own voice and see ourselves in our picture and navigate and say no thanks to those toxic environments and toxic people with those microaggressions and discounting that one down discount that's just automatic. Starting to say, no, thank you. I'm not going to let that get into me and what matters to me. And finding those positive spheres of influence. There are supportive people out there. There are supportive environments. There are ways to navigate this. So this is what we're doing over the next few episodes. Agency, what it is, what it isn't. How do we locate it? How do we find that gearbox, right? I was like, as I get into the Wegmans produce section and just set my gearbox aside. How do we find that and navigate? And this advocacy element in all aspects of advocacy. So stay tuned. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. We have a lot that we want to do with this. And that includes talking about advocacy and disclosure in an upcoming episode, which is something that a lot of the folks in our Discord have been asking for. And it's something we've wanted to cover, but we've been looking for the right way to do it, the way that works for this show. And this is it. So we're going to talk about it in that context. We're going to talk about relationships, which is another one that people have been asking for. So in the next several (laughs) weeks, we are going to cover many of the most requested topics that we haven't gotten to yet in this context of agency, advocacy, and putting yourself in the picture. It's going to be so fun. But for today, that's all the time we have. If you like what we're doing here on the show, there are a few ways that you can help us out. The first is to leave a review wherever you listen. The second is to tell others about the show. Don't keep us a secret. If you know someone else who has ADHD, if you are in ADHD communities on social media, please share the work that we are doing. And finally, you can support the running of the show financially by becoming a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, not only are you supporting the show and helping to cover the expenses of running the show, you also gain access to our Discord community where our listeners are working together to do their own understand, own, and translate work in that community. And if you're interested in this next group coaching thing, that we're doing our next gig, navigating the lunch counter. Just go and take a look at the questions. If they speak to you, then go ahead and submit and check it out because it's important work. It's foundational and fundamental. All right? Yeah. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.